0: And after all that's been said and done You're just a part of me I can't let go Couldn't
1: stand to be kept away Just for the day
0: Go. couldn't stand to be swept away just for the day from your body, wouldn't want to be swept away, so Power Battle Friday, I thought I'd bring out the big guns, Pizza Terra for Ginny Giblin and Edamon. how are you feeling about this Ed?
1: Well, listen, today I was a little bit disappointed, because usually I love Power ballads because there's always like a crescendo in the yeah. song, which just goes up and just
0: fills your heart with emotion, <laughs> Yeah. it wasn't happening today, <laughs> it's not happening today. Uh, any, any crescendo when you were of this Ginny?
2: I think I'm with Ed on this it's pretty average hasn't got the big big feel about it has
0: it that's a shame well I think it has anyway
2: (laughs) uh, for the fan
0: okay fair enough <laughs> um, for the fans, uh, it's Pizza Terra in Chicago there, and uh, I think it's gold. Uh, Four thirty-six. Just by the way, a message has come through from our um, uh, machine here: uh, a bad three-car accident at uh, Edendy and Diorella Roads, Monaco. Uh, emergency services in place there. So, um, yeah, uh, do stay safe there. Uh, if you are self southbound there, um, I just wanted to briefly ask you while we're on politics, while you're here, because you won't be part, you won't be here for a wee while again, Ed, um, from Pakistan, and it hasn't always been a dictatorship, of course, but you were in a dictatorship era. What's it like growing up under? A dictatorship. Musharraf, for example.
1: It is so. With under Musharraf, it was uh, a a little bit crazy because at that time the war was happening with uh, with the Taliban, and there was TTP, that the e taliban Pakistan was coming inside. So there were bombs all over the uh, place in in the country. But it it comes down as is one law, one rule, one man. So. That is the, you live in. For instance, uh, you know, imagine living by the whims of just Christopher Luxon or Chris Hipkins just this person's brain waves and you live by those so that's that's a a dictatorship. And that's it. That's, that's the dictatorship so it's and you always the dictator always uh reelects themselves with 97% 99% of the of the vote so you don't uh, vote you don't you don't get a bit of paper every 3 years
0: under in a dictatorship and go and vote
1: you, you no you don't but you to legitimize themselves they uh, give you the opportunity to do that. But in the end, the result is always the same. In the late 90s, it's always, you know, with with Saddam Hussein, is the same. He used to win elections
0: by 99%. That's a fantastic result. So when you hear people here going, oh, this administration is a dictatorship, what do you think?
1: Well, I, I, I heard that during lockdowns. I mean, people were online saying Jacinda Ardern is a dictator. I said, come on, man. You haven't lived under a dictatorship. A, a dictator doesn't stand every day in front of 25 hostile." <laughs> I'll press and answers the questions. <laughs> <laughs> the dictator doesn't. The dictator will get you kidnapped and then you will never be seen again. So that's a dictator. It, it was crazy. That, that was the sort. So Musharraf boy. was a dictator light. Uh, Ziaul Haq was dictator hardcore. Where, where he brought back uh, he public, brought back pu-
0: flogging. Yeah,
1: he brought back public. While flogging. you were there. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I remember. I remember. I, he, he died in a plane crash in nineteen eighty-eight. So. Yeah, I remember that.
0: You're on the panel. Thanks for your story. The uh, panel, RNZ National, we have Ed Amon uh, and Jenny Giblin today. Now, news out yesterday. Wellington's Victoria University is axing 140 jobs, cutting six language and geoscience courses. 11 other courses will need to achieve set targets as part of a managed financial plan or go the same way, including... Education, history, midwifery, workplace health and safety, physics, and the New Zealand School of Music. The cuts would see the university save twenty-two million in staff costs. With us is president of the Victoria University branch of the tertiary education union, Dougal McNeil. Kia ora, Dougal.
3: Kia ora, Alice. thank you for having me.
0: Just describe the morale for us among staff now.
3: Yesterday was a very difficult day. I think we take some satisfaction in the fact that our campaigns pushed back some of the stupidest and most reckless ideas for now, but that list that you just gave and what's being lost, what's being lost all the way from languages through to really crucial areas like midwifery and education, having this kind of threat hanging over them, uh, has been very, very difficult and we're worried for students and for the institution.
0: Yeah, because some of those, uh, those uh, courses, I mean, they're, they're quite key courses, one would think, Dougal.
3: Well, well, working on a fault line, uh, I'm quite invested in people learning and knowing about geophysics and uh, about the way um, we're going to face these challenges. Absolutely core, yes. And then others, even if they don't have very big enrolments, contribute to the culture And to understanding our world, you know, learning another language, connecting with another culture and another tradition is something we should be doing more of, uh, not less. So, like I said, I'm glad that we've managed to push back some of the worst and most kind of ill thought out of what the management was planning, Um, but this is still a very significant loss.
0: All right, let's bring in the panel, eh, Dougal. Uh, Jenny Giblin.
2: Yes, yeah, so I was really um really sad to, to hear this about victoria University and I guess to your point um durgal that whole um that whole issue around getting rid of um subjects like geophysics and also the art subjects um um you know culture and languages we are a tiny little country at the bottom of the, of the pacific we ne- it's important that um that we have access to for students to learn more about languages and culture in other countries because we're a trading nation. It's also you know we're, we live on a in, in a massive um volcanic area we need to know all about geophysics it's important to how we are as a country so it really blows my mind and then when I read further into the article um I was reading about how they um for, for the the subject courses that are going to continue but they've got key um key criteria and they're going to be monitored and and part of the conversation was saying they're going to look to philanthropy for like the school of music. That's almost unrealistic in many ways. You'll be a little bit of philanthropy that comes through, but look, I do fundraising on a daily basis. Right. There's not huge money out there to to prop up, to prop up these um these faculties. That's hmm. that's really yeah. a sad day.
0: Well, stay there, uh, yeah. Dougal is bringing it as well. Uh,
1: yeah, Kalispera, Dougal. Um, I thought I'll greet you in Greek. It's going to be dropped soon. <laughs> so, um. um <laughs> Uh, my question is, I mean, this is happening and uh, different universities are facing it differently. So what, and it gets confusing. So what are the causes and who essentially is responsible for this happening? Is it the lack of funding for the gov from the government or the, when the government blames international students, is that the reason? What are the multitudes of reasons that might be there? It's a big subject, but I throw it out there to you.
3: I think there's plenty of blame to go around, but mm-hmm. the big issue here is with, government funding and that's a question both with labour and with national it's been across successive governments if you look at the money that's gone into education generally we lag well behind comparable countries and there's been research come out recently confirming that and then in the tertiary area where funding has been below inflation uh, for Mm. years you've seen this this ongoing compounding cut and so a few short-term problems Low unemployment means fewer students, demography, school leavers, the borders haven't been closed. That then produces this crisis. And so there's similar stories about what's happening at Otago, Massey, cuts at Waikato. The government sort of sat by and watched this unfold.
0: Well, there is a $33 million financial deficit for the year alone, Daniel. Uh, $12 million tipped in by the government for you know, this particular university. So what's the answer then?
3: I think we need to have a serious look at the funding model. Something's broken in the funding model where it's going up and down year on year with student enrolments, whereas we're talking about institutions that take years for expertise to be built up and also have commitments to research. So we need some kind of way of actually being able to plan long term. Teacher education commissions not fit for purpose, basically. I think they've done a wrecking job here. And then also picking up on some of Jenny's comments, you've got institutions that are being led by people that don't see the value of the humanities and the arts and of languages. And so our worry, if you've got two years to stage a turnaround and you're not actually sure that there's much support for the turnaround happening, uh, means these kinds of stories are going to keep coming up. We need a culture change there in okay. our institutions.
0: Good to have you here uh, Dougal. Thank you. Uh, that's Dougal McNeil there, uh, President of the Victoria University branch of the Tertiary Education Union. So some uh, courses uh, to be cut, six language geo science courses 140 jobs gone workers there. 15 to 5 the panel RNZ National, great to have you here by the way. Mental Health Week that's what it's been this week hasn't it? Let's take a look at our youngest today and a new resource developed at the University of Auckland could make it much easier for primary schools to incorporate mental health teaching into their curriculum that arrives on the back of the Ministry of Education policy on mental health education released last year this includes 74 lesson plans on areas like identity and communication, mana, and it finds ways to take a whole-school approach to mental health education with us. It's co-author of the new resource, Professor Katie Fitzpatrick. Kia ora. Welcome to the programme. Kia ora, Wallace. How does this add to what is already happening in primary schools?
4: Um, well, I think it depends. It depends on the school, but we've been listening to teachers who have sort of asked us for more resources and more support to, to work with mental health education with their kids, because we're seeing teachers are stressed. We know mm-hmm. that, but um, kids are also showing um, heightened levels of distress and it's, it's really time for schools to have a strong focus on, on learning in this area. So yeah, the resource is designed to, to give them some support and some ideas that they can apply in their schools in, in different ways depending on their community and context.
0: Interesting looking at some of the uh, components still too, Katie, they they sort of make sense don't they? You've got, uh, for example mana fano, which is a sense of self in relation to home and school. Also you've got uh, um, uh, uh, developing skills like courage and resilience.
4: Yeah. So, um, what a lot of people don't realise is that mental health education has actually been in the New Zealand curriculum since the nineteen nineties, and these these kinds of areas of learning aren't new. But I think we've this is sort of an attempt for an update, I guess, for for these. And skills are really important because if kids can learn skills. Um, to have strong relationships with others and skills for their own mental well wellbeing um, and understand the context that they're in, then that's going to be really supportive for them and obviously really good for school environments as
2: Got well. It.
0: Stay there, Jenny. Let's, uh, Katie. Let's bring in Jenny Giblin.
2: Oh, kia ora, Katie. And congratulations. I think this is a fantastic initiative and um, in particularly taking a whole of school approach. I think what really appeals to me about what um, what you're going to implement or making available to schools to implement is that it's really about empowering kids Um, Mm -hmm. it's not really about adults coming in and saving kids so I love the way that you've got you're providing the tools for children to learn how to do it themselves because I think a lot of saving goes on with parents coming in and trying to sort of bridge the gap but to be able to give the children the tools and to empower them to be able to cope with situations and have little strategies is, is, is really wonderful for them.
4: Yeah, thank you. I think that's a really, it's a really important point. When we were doing the work on the mental health guidelines, that's a Ministry of Education policy. We did, we did focus groups with young people and they, they told us actually what I really want to know is how to help my friend when they're having a panic attack or when they're having a moment of crisis, because there isn't necessarily a teacher or an adult around in that moment who we can call on for help. It could be after school, it could be in the park or at a sports event. And, you know, students want those skills, they're hungry for them. So that's that's really at the heart of this work. Ed?
1: It, and it's, it's um, I mean, I, I, I don't have a question, but my comment is that it, it is absolutely essential, um, in schools because there are different levels of things that are happening at that time um, when, when a person is growing up with, with the bullying on the side and things might be happening at home. So the, a resource like this really, really help empower the kids to help themselves and empowers the school to help them as well. I mean, I was emceeing yesterday our local school, Fanga Parawa um, College, and they organized a variety show for mental health. Uh, to fundraise for counselling for, uh, for the mm-hmm. kids at the school. So it, it is, it is, it is um, evidence that schools are worried about it, teachers are worried about the kids as well. And this is going to be, uh, be a great help. So uh, congratulations
4: yeah thank you Actually, what, was, what, I, what I'm Jenny? what I'm really proud about about this too is that um, mm-hmm. we co-wrote this resource with teachers so it's a group of us at the University of Auckland and also um, eight different teachers and schools
0: Jenny
2: you' yeah, fantastic Katie I said a question around implementation so how is the rollout going to work
4: yeah so we've um we've published the book as as um, a strong guide, so it actually gives lesson plans for teachers. So it is um, self-guiding in that sense, and it's available from the New Zealand Council for Education Research. We find that teachers are actually really excellent. They're experts in their own communities. They're excellent pedagogues. So if they're given good resources, and we've got a lot of background information in here that helps them to upskill, um, then they they know what to do in schools and and to meet the needs of their students because they will adapt and change the lessons as they as they see fit.
0: Oh, it's good to have you here, uh, Professor Fitzpatrick ora. That's uh, Katie Fitzpatrick there, co-author of this new resource, talking about Mental Health Week uh, and taking a look at our lo- youngest. And um, Ed, got to say, people are quite interested in your views on living under a dictatorship. <laughs> <laughs> would, would would you be interested in coming back and doing a sort of five-minute one-on-one if people had questions for you? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because um, a... um, Michael on Waikiki says, oh, Wallace, if only everyone in Aotearoa could hear what Ed said. Essentially, we don't know how lucky we are. Ka pai, Ed. Uh, but one, one very quick one before we go to uh, our next guest. So, okay, so when you're living in a dictatorship – does the dictator or does the person in charge, like your um, Chris Luxon or Hipkins, you know how they front up to say the hard-hitting shows, say your checkpoints. Yeah. Would a dictator do that? No, 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 no. no.
1: They they don't do that. They they do uh, uh, they do one of those YouTube video styles, you know, just you can see their face and they look at you with two flags uh, behind them and they just talk through whatever is the stream of conscience and that it comes through. And then they that's it. That's it. No, so there's stop. no there's no journalists going but what are you doing about that? Oh no 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 no. There are some uh journalists who do that, but they are um compensated for their pillow questions.
0: Okay, so <laughs> All right. Living Under a Dictatorship 101, that'll be on the panel within uh, the next two weeks. If you have questions, you can email me, panel at rnz.co.nz. Finally on the show, so yesterday, right, it's been a non-running thing this week because we've had a bit of response. Amos, the electrician on the panel, his career counsellor at his school six years ago said, go to university, but he chose to become a Sparky, and he said, To me, I own my own home. I have no student loan, and I listen to RNZ every day, so I'm winning. But Anna wrote, why has the panel only interviewed tradies and not balanced that with an interview with an intellectual academic who loves intellectual learning? I thought, okay, let's put this to bed. So on that, I give you a chemistry professor, Adam Blackman. (laughs) (laughs) Intellectual, my
5: goodness, you're stretching things there. Wallace. I know, but I was short of
0: who to go to. Um, <laughs> so I thought, well, let's get out and on. <laughs> Always one glass of water. And you are a chemistry <laughs> professor. So first on that, to make sure that your rig is up there, um, yeah. let's let's test it. If you pour a handful of salt into a full glass of water, the yeah. water level will actually go down rather than overflowing the glass. True or false?
5: Well, I'm going to go both ways in this fun I'm going to say it's true and false because it's going to depend on how much your handful can hold. But if you put a little bit in, it's
1: going to drop. Yes, indeed it is. That's a very so, election, I'll, I'll answer. That's an election answer. <laughs> That's an election
0: answer. That's an election answer. Nice one. Nice, Alan. Okay, so um, we had a response go, you've got to get balance, you've got to get uh, – you can't just get the tradies on. So has how did you get into – what led you to science, Alan?
5: Oh, jeez. Um, I think one very, very important thing that led me to science was a fantastic TV series by the name of Connections by James Burke. And it is on YouTube, and I urge absolutely everybody listening to go and watch it right now, because uh, mm. it's a fantastic series about the way that science builds uh, over the years, and how everything is connected. And even though it was shot in the 70s, it is still absolutely relevant today. Amazing. And the guy is an absolute genius. Yep.
0: Wow, so he just inspired you. Let's go around the paddle on this, Jenny.
2: Well, it's an interesting thing, this whole, um, you know, academic versus s- skills. And my kind of my view on it is that, isn't it about following your passion? And, you know, I think mm-hmm. about, I've got three older, ch- three older children, and I don't know that they're, and I think, you know, uh, I've got one that's a university graduate, one that's a, gone through a pilot you know, aviation course, and another mm. one that's been to a farm training school. Mm. They've all followed their passions. They're all very happy in what they do. And we need a mix and a balance, don't we? Fair enough, Alan?
5: Yeah, no, absolutely. Heck, if you can end up doing something you love, then you are probably better off than about 90% of the population would be my guess, really and honestly. Yeah, I agree. Your yeah. Follow
2: your
1: passion. Yeah. Yep. And I also don't, I don't agree with the dichotomy that we create uh, between the two like either you are uh, a university degree, intellectual degree holding person or a tradie building uh, cabinets. So it is, I think they can both merge together as well. And I'm a a huge, because I'm a PhD candidate as well. So I'm in huge favor of education because it keeps my brain working. I mean, without the the studies, I wouldn't know anything about anything about New Zealand or Pakistan, about history. Uh, It might not earn me a lot of money. But money isn't everything. You know? Yeah,
0: Louise says, we have two sons. One went to university, to a degree, and is now a secondary teacher, loves his job. Our youngest is equally intelligent, but didn't go to university, didn't want to, and did an electrical apprenticeship. He is now a successful electrician. So to your point, Alan, it's really what fi- how you find your passion as a young person growing up, huh?
5: Yeah, no, a- a- absolutely it is. And once, once you find it, just, just go for it. You know, you, you don't have to go to university to be successful. Goodness me. I yeah. mean, you know,
0: <laughs> yeah. okay.
5: some of the most successful people in the world have never darkened the doors of a you know of a university. Heck On
0: not. that, another question from a listener. Um, yep. uh If oxygen gas is colourless... Big if. What colour are the liquid and solid forms of oxygen?
5: Okay, so that's a big if that oxygen gas is not colourless because it's not not colourless. In oh! fact... <laughs> <Fuck>. <laughs> so, okay, so we, we, we all think, okay, you, you put a glass of water up for light, you think a glass of water is colorless, don't you? Yes. You know? Yeah. But where does the blue color in the sea come from and everything like that? So if you get a really, really, really long glass tube of water and you look through it, you'll see that water is actually very, very, very faintly blue.
3: Oh,
5: very yeah. faintly. You've blown
0: my mind. Oh. Really? That's yeah, No.
1: That is that that is your PhD just paid That's off. <laughs> your PhD just paid off.
0: <laughs> if that question cost you sixty thousand dollars, I'm happy. Well, yeah.
5: <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah I'm, I'm not going to say I was in the days before student loans because I'll be shocked. Yeah. You're not.
0: You're not putting the wall. This, this is.
5: This is. No. This. This is, no. This is absolutely kosher. And if you had liquid oxygen then that's a very, very pale blue. And then, in fact, solid oxygen, you've got about six different forms of solid oxygen, and they can be all colours, even red, believe it or not.
0: Just amazing.
5: So,
0: oh. Very good, <laughs> uh, Professor Blackman. Thanks for being on the show. you have kind of blown our collective minds, the afternoon around the country, although Mike disagrees. He says passion will not pay the bills. Always follow the money. <laughs> and on that note... On that note, I'm following the weekend as you are, or have a great weekend. Jenny Giblin, Edamon, thanks. Big thanks to Sam Hollis, my producer. Lisa Owen and Checkpoint is next. See you Monday.